Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. In our first session, we dealt more particularly with Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verses 1 through to 4, or 1 through to 5, the creation. And then last, uh, last week, our session was particularly on the ministry of the Spirit and the Word that the Spirit of God moved and God said that the Spirit precedes the Word, the Spirit makes way for the Word, and uh, without the Spirit moving, nothing happens. And I couldn't help but think of this again as Steve was sharing tonight, the tremendous need uh, of the Spirit of God to come and move in situations like that. Because you can argue and give word, 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 and ram the Bible down their throats, but unless the Spirit of God is moving... But uh, I think it could be. The, 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 that's evidence of conviction, the very fact they get their back up. Yeah. Yeah. a good sign that the Holy Ghost is convicting them. Yeah. And I don't like to be convicted. Tremendous need. Okay, tonight uh, it's going, uh, we're going to be a little bit heavier in our session. I'm going to try and take it slow. And you'll have to put on your thinking cap. So is that all right? Thinking doesn't hurt anybody. All right, has, has thinking ever hurt anybody? So you're going to have to think on what I'm going to be sharing tonight. All right, let's uh, turn to chapter 2. And uh, we're just going to read verses 1 through to 4. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 because of the uh, nature of what we have to cover tonight. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now as we uh, look tonight at the, briefly at the seven days of creation, uh, we, we have, have here just a uh, God's plan that sort of set in motion here, a blueprint, a, pa- a pattern, a plan that uh, God demonstrates in the seven days or the six days work of creation in the seventh day. And uh, I want to turn to a couple of scriptures from, uh, from the book of Hebrews as we sort of introduce what we're going to share. And I'll try and take this area so, uh, slowly. It may be a whole new thought to many of us. Uh, students in college have had little smatterings of this, but we'll try and pull it together. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews for a couple of introductory scriptures here. And uh, we'll read, uh, we'll turn to Hebrews, or let's see, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, first of all. And I'm going to read verse 3, Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the world, and I'm reading... Uh, you can follow it in your King Jimmy's translation or your uh, NAS or whatever you got. Uh, I'm reading from uh, Amplified again. As you know, I like Amplified when it suits my doctrine, and again, it does here. <laughs> By faith we understand that the world, during the successive ages, were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. I want you to notice a particular word there. By faith we understand, not by rationalization or reason or our intellect, but by faith we understand. If a person doesn't have faith, they're not going to understand. Okay? Because uh, when we exalt reason, the God of reason, rationalization, uh, that's the exaltation of reason, the deification of reason, trying to figure God out, people who deify reason and make uh, the God of reason, they never understand. It takes faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For verse 6, for without faith it is impossible to please 
and be satisfactory to him, for whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists. And that is the reward of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. I believe God exists, don't you? All right, that's my faith, that's my confession. So by faith we understand that the world, and now this is the part I want you to know, during the successive ages, now there's a word we're going to pick up here tonight, a couple of words uh, sort of laying a foundation here. We're going to look at this word ages because we want to look at a, uh, the plan of God that he sets out in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in the, in the seven days of creation. So by faith we understand that the world during the successive ages, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, during the successive ages were framed, just like this has a frame upon it, an outline. So the successive ages, the worlds were framed by the word of God. Fashion, put in order, saw what happened in creation, First day, let there be light. Second day, firmament. Third day, earth comes up out of waters. Fourth day, herb and seed and trees. Fifth day, uh, sun, moon, stars. Fourth day, um, no, fourth day, sun, moon, stars. Fifth day, life. Sixth day, life. Seventh day, rest. So by faith we understand that the world's doing the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. All right, Hebrews chapter 1 and again, you can read it from whichever translation you've got. I'm reading Amplified again. We looked at this last week or referred to it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 1 to 3, I'm going to read from Amplified. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets, but in the last of these days he has spoken unto us in the person of a son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all, of all things, and I want you to notice this next amplification, also by and through whom he created the world and the reaches of space and the ages of time. That is, he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. I'm going to read that latter part again. Uh, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the world and the reaches of space and the ages of time. That is, he made, produced, built, operated and arranged them in order. So the successive ages, the ages of time, were made, produced, built, operated and arranged in order to some plan that God is working how many believe that God does have a plan? All right, now another word I want you to turn to, and we'll turn over to King Jimmy's on this. Um, let's turn to Genesis chapter 20, let's see, 20, uh, no, 29, Genesis 29. I just want to pick out a couple of wor words as a foundation here, and then we'll uh, start building Genesis 29, and uh, now I'm reading from King James' translation. So I hope your translation has that word in it. In Genesis 29, uh, we have the account of Jacob working for his wife, uh, Rachel, and ending up with Leah, and then having to work again another seven years. Um, in verse 20, 26, we'll say, he receives Rachel and Laban said uh, when Jacob woke up in the morning and found he had the wrong girl because they were heavily veiled in those days they didn't wear bikini suits and whatever uh, Laban said it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn and note this expression fulfill her weeks and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt uh, serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And then in verse 30, he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. I want you to notice a couple of words there, because we're going to build our whole study on what is implied here. The word week, 
and the word seven. All right, now let's turn over to uh, the book of uh, Exodus. Exodus 34 and verse 22. Now you'll just have to sort of be patient with me a little bit here just as I confuse the issue before we get going. Confusion's the first lesson in learning. <laughs> Exodus 34 and verse 22. This is concerning the feast of the Lord. And he says in verse 22, And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks. One should note the use of that word, the feast of weeks. Feast of weeks. All right, now let's go over to uh, Daniel, prophecy, um, prophecy of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. I'm giving you these three particular words because uh, our study is sort of going to be built on these words and I just want to show you that they are Bible words just in case you think I'm making it up. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9 and uh, verse 24. In this chapter we have what is referred to as the 70 weeks prophecy. So in verse uh, 24, Daniel 9 verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. And then we have the tremendous 70-week prophecy. Note the expression again, 70 weeks. Feast of weeks, 70 weeks. Fulfill her weeks, work seven years. All right, one other reference. Let's turn over to Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, one other uh, passage here. Jeremiah chapter 5 and uh, we're going to read verse 24. Jeremiah 5 verse 24. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah reproving the house of Judah for their revolting and rebellious heart in verse 23. You notice that? So in verse 24, Jeremiah 5 24, he says, Neither say they in their heart let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter rain, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. There's that word again, the appointed weeks of the harvest. Now, tonight we're going to look at God's weeks, and I'm going to give you seven of them. Now, sometimes people ask, ask me, particularly uh, those are my friends who, who are what we speak of as our millennial people who believe we're in the millennium now. And uh, this is the thousand years rest that we're enjoying. <laughs> and that the devil is bound now. Don't know who's carrying on his job. And this glorious thousand year millennial rest that we're in now. So they say to me sometimes, well, why do you even believe in a millennium? Where can you find it in the Bible? Well, I want to give you tonight uh, what I believe is one of the greatest proofs that there is a day of rest ahead for the people of God. And if you listen carefully and you, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you believe and I really don't care, so that's perfectly all right. <laughs> I can't help it if I'm right on this one. <coughs> <laughs> But I want you to listen carefully and you'll understand why I believe what I believe. Okay? Because I believe God has put a foolproof pattern in his word uh, that we can follow. And I'm going to give you seven of God's weeks tonight. So he reserves unto us the appointed weeks. Now, wherever you see this, um, I wonder if there's a chalk uh, eraser anywhere here. Did we have one up here? Well, maybe we could use the tissue. Wherever you see this word week in the Old Testament, the, uh, those scriptures I've given you, like the Feast of Weeks or 70 Weeks or Fulfill Her Week uh, and um, 
He, appoint, he reserved unto us the appointed weeks. That word week, the Hebrew word for week is seven. And so he reserveth unto us the appointed sevens. I want you to note that, the appointed sevens. Or the appointed weeks. Or the feast of weeks. The feast of sevens. So the Hebrew word for week is sevens. Now Genesis 1 introduces us, or Genesis 1 and 2, introduces us to the first seven. And I'm going to use the word seven or use the word week. So, uh, uh, so when I say the word week, what do I mean? What's the Hebrew word for week or what does it mean? Let's say it together. Seven. So we're going to go through this pattern of, of sevens here that we see in the word of God. And uh, I think it's just a tremendous foolproof plan that God is working to. All right, now, just because we've got so much to cover here. Up here we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and uh, let me just repeat again. Remember that in our first session we said eternity is likened to a circle, timelessness, without beginning, without ending, and that time is just a little fragment of eternity in which God is working out his purposes. How many remember that? Time's just a little fragment in which God's working out his purposes. Uh, God is eternal, from eternity to eternity without God. And in this period, which we call time, God's not affected by time. He's not limited to time or by time. He works in time, but he's, he's limited by eternity. Uh, that's it. He's timelessness, eternity. And in this period called time, God has mapped out the ages. Thank you, dear brother. He's mapped out the ages. And as we read in Hebrews, uh, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word, word of God in their successive ages. Uh, he arranged the ages, he framed them, he made, produced, operated and built them and arranged them in order. So we see this first order uh, in, 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 the, in the book of Genesis here. In what I'm going to put up here, and we'll put it on the overhead at the end here, number one, I'm going to refer to this as the week of creation. The week of creation. What's the word week mean again? Seven. So it's the first seven we have in the Bible specifically. So now we have God works day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and seventh day rest. Now what is God doing this for? He's got all eternity on his hand. Is he amusing himself or is he setting out a plan? All right, so... Day one, I'm not going to put on the board here uh, everything that was done because of the, the thing we want to do here. Just put on the major things. On day one, we have light. Light and darkness. God separated light from darkness. On the next day, he divided the waters above from the waters below. So I'll just put waters here and uh, the firmament in between. Space. Firmament of heaven. On day three, he separates the earth and the seas. On the third day, there's a resurrection. Earth that had been buried beneath water of judgment is raised up on the third day. And so we have seas, and then we have the earth, and produce in the earth. Let the earth bring forth grass and seed and herbs and so forth. So waters and uh, the seas and earth. Day four... Uh, which relates to day one because on day one we have darkness and light. On day four we have the uh, governing of light for the earth, the sun, the moon and the stars and we have day and night, light and darkness. So uh, there was light before the sun, moon and stars existed. God is light. God said let there be light. He didn't create light. Light is uncreated. So day one, uh, day, uh, day one prepared for day four. Then on day five, we have the first mention of life. First mention of life. And in this, we have the creation of certain beasts, uh, certain creatures, pardon me. We have fowl, and then we have fish. And this fulfills day two. Day two prepared for day five, because here we have waters on day two, and fish on day five to swim in the waters. Here we have the firmament of heaven, and here we have fowl to fly in the midst of the firmament of heaven. So day one prepared for day four, day two prepared for day five. Now when we get to day six, we have life again, abundant life, and now we have 
First of all, we have man. Uh, I'm sorry. First of all, we have beast created on the sixth day, and then we have the crowning glory of creation, man, the masterpiece. Day three, prepared for this. The man is the master of the earth, certain beasts swimming in the ocean as well as here. And so uh, each the first three days prepared for the last days, last three days. Day one prepared for day four. Day two prepared for day five. Day three prepared for day six. So God worked in this pattern here, in this plan. He worked six days. Six days. And then on the seventh, the main words that we have there, I want to put some of these here. God, um, let's, let's uh, try and remember the words here. God finished his work. So we have a finished work on the seventh day and God rested on this day and he sanctified. Sanctified, he separated or set it apart. So day seven, the first three days prepared for the second three days, completing the six days of work, but the seventh day is sanctified, set apart. It stands alone. As the seventh, was God tired? I guess he'd been worn out after working six days. Sanctify the day. It was a finished work and rest. So God has worked six days. Now, it's useless to get into arguments about how long those days were. There's difference of opinion on it. Some say they were 24-hour days. Some say they were 1,000-year days. Some say they were geological ages and would account for all the ages and the, and the science that had about 20 zeros onto anything they, they think is a fossil. Uh, it's useless to argue over that. I have my own uh, opinions. And of course they're not worth much to some people. Uh, <laughs> I will say this, that when we say that they were 24-hour days, there were no 24-hour days until the fourth day. So that, uh, you know, throws a little thing in there. And then uh, in Genesis chapter 2, it says, these are the generations of the heavens and earth. Well, if you can count a 24-hour day a generation, uh, that's perfectly all right. So uh, it's useless to go, sort of go into all those things. Uh, whatever they were, let me go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 here, just give you a, a little thought here. You'll notice uh, each of these days close with this sentence, except one. Verse 5, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So first day, the evening and the morning. Not morning and evening. Now see, we work from morning to evening. God works from evening to morning. God always works from darkness to light, from sin to redemption. We do the opposite. We work from morning to night. We go from light to darkness in our fallen state. Verse uh, 8, in the evening and the morning were the second day. Verse 13, in the evening and the morning were the third day. The, uh, verse 19, in the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 23, in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And verse 31, in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, each of these days here in this week of creation where God is working, the seven of creation... Evening and morning, 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 evening and morning. No evening and morning here on the seventh day. Now remember that when God created Adam and Eve, they were created on the evening of the sixth day, a perfect bride and a perfect bridegroom, and they began with rest. They began with rest. And the only thing that breaks rest is sin. So when man and woman sinned, they lost their rest. And so God had to go to work again. So John chapter 5, I'd like to remind you of, we touched on this a little bit uh, once before. We're just extending it. John chapter 5, verse 17. But Jesus answered them, and it's very interesting that uh, they're reacting because he's just healed somebody on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. But Jesus answered them, My Father works hitherto, and I work. So the Father works, the Son works. Who's at work now? The Holy Spirit. God has at work. And it's sin that breaks man's rest. Sin broke God's rest. And so when sin broke man's rest, and sin broke God's rest, 
God got to work again and he's working in another week and we're going to follow these weeks through, seven of them. See? And that's why people outside of Christ, they have no rest. You know, you and I should be the most restful people in the midst of a tense society. We should be at rest because Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Hmm? How many have found rest in Christ? Rest in a finished work. It's restless out there and getting more restless. But we should be because we have tasted of a rest to come. Okay, now let's go to the second week. So that's all I'm going to cover on that. This pattern and the week of redemption uh, sets a pattern that God's going to follow all the way through and particularly in the Hebrew mind, this pattern of rest. Let's go over to Exodus chapter 31 now. Exodus 31. And we'll have to move. Exodus 31. Uh, let's uh, read from verse 12 through to 17. Exodus 31, verse 12 through to 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. The word Sabbath simply means a cessation from work. Now see, we may say the seventh day was a Sabbath. God finished his work. It was a cessation from work. So he says, I want you to keep my Sabbaths they are a sign. They are a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto the Lord. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. You know, if, if, if well little minds could enlarge and get a bigger frame of reference. No work was to be done on the Sabbath. And when we get some of the funny ideas that we have about the seventh day and what is going to happen in the millennium, some people's millennium. My millennium and God's millennium is rest. Not gospel work and giving people a second chance. Rest. There's more than that that meets the ear. Some of you will pick it up. For everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work to him, and that's all shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holiness, holy margin, holiness to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generation for a perpetual covenant. Now notice verse seven, 17. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever for... In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Now, do you know what God does here? And I want to put up number two here, the second week. Number two, the second week now that we have that God impresses upon the nation of Israel is a week of days. Now, how long is man's day? 24 hours. A day and a man is 24 hours and 24 hours a day. How long is God's day? day and the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Now, God says, okay, and we could, we could extend, and you can do it on your notes because this board's too short, but we could go right here and, and do this same thing again because God is impressing upon the Hebrew mind this week. What's the word week mean again? Seven. So, so God is saying, I want you to work <coughs> six days. <coughs> Pardon me. On the seventh day is the Sabbath. I want you to rest. It is holiness unto the Lord. Anyone who does work in that seventh day will be cut off. They defile it by work. You've got to enter into a finished work. So man worked six days. And God is saying, 
I want you to work six days, six 24-hour days, and on the seventh 24-hour day, I want it to be a Sabbath. I want you to rest. I want it to be holiness. I want you to be refreshed. The reason I want you to work for a week is I did it back there in creation. So my week, whatever those days were, whether you want 24-hour days, a thousand years, or ages, whatever, I worked six days in creation in my week, and on the seventh day, I entered into a finished work. I rested in the finished work of creation. I sanctified that day. I was refreshed. And my week is just a shadow of your week. So, a week of days. Everybody clear on that? Okay. Now, let's go to week number three. Week number three. Leviticus chapter 23. Just while you're turning to Leviticus chapter 23, let me throw this little one at you. Remember when God gave them the first mention of the word Sabbath, even before it was uh, recorded on the Ten Commandments, God said, uh, I'm going to rain manna upon you, bread from heaven. So he says, I want you to go out every day. So day one, they picked up the manna. Day two, they picked up the manna. Day three, day four, day five. How much manna were they to pick up on the sixth day? A double portion. Was there any manna on the seventh? Some people thought there were. Like some people think there's going to be manna and gospel preaching in, in the seventh day. Not my concept. Now, I hope I'm not upsetting anybody's ideas. Maybe you've got no ideas to upset. <laughs> At least you don't have to unlearn. We are living in the sixth day when there is a double portion of manna and the word of God that's coming and we are going to need it to carry us over there. But some people, like they did there, they went out on the Sabbath day looking for manna and Moses rebuked them said, I told you there'd be no manner. You'll have to get enough to carry you through. How can a sinner get into that seventh day? Unless he's got some manna. And who is the manna? Is he going to get into that seventh day without the manna to carry him through? Not in my kingdom, age. Everybody enjoying this? Yeah. Yeah, I got my voice back tonight. I've been struggling the last couple of weeks. Okay, let's go to the third week quickly. Oh, quickly, all right. Leviticus chapter 23. And you can put verses 15 through to 22 down. 15 to 22. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days and you shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Now, I gave you the reference before in connection with this. The next seven that is impressed upon the nation of Israel is, uh, I'll, I'll erase this and you can just continue a little diagram there if you're taking notes here. But number three, the third week that we have is, now you'll have to listen carefully to this. What's the word week mean again? All right. We have now the week of weeks of days. The week of weeks of days. Now what's that saying? Seven by seven equals 49 days. Is that right? And then on the 50th day, was Pentecost. Now you'll see the significance of that in a moment. So God says, I want you to number the Feast of Weeks. Feast of Weeks, Feast of Seven. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. Seven sevens of 49, and after the seventh Sabbath, seven seventh, after the seventh seventh, Sabbath is the seventh, then the morrow after the Sabbath, the 50th day is the Feast of Pentecost. So this became known as a week of weeks, seven weeks, 49 days, seven by seven. But then this seventh Sabbath was rest. The 50th day of the morrow after the Sabbath was Pentecost. 
So God impressed it here. A week of weeks of days. So we have a week of evenings and mornings except the seventh day. A week of days, seven days, seven day rest. A week of weeks of days. All right, let's go to number four quickly. The next seven or the next week, you see, our little Western mind misses so much of God's truth here. But the Hebrew mind was saturated with God's plan. See, he has arranged the successive ages, built, arranged them in order. So something happened in creation that God had in mind of all these sevens and he tries to get the little message through to the Hebrews at least. Hoping us in the Western world would catch up somewhere. All right, let's go to week number four now. Leviticus chapter 23, you can put the whole chapter down. <laughs> Verses 1 to 44. Just the whole chapter, let me explain it. Now, the next week we have here, what do you think would come after? Let's see if we're doing something here. See if God's doing something. Days, weeks, what would come next? Months. You are so intelligent. It blesses me. Now we have a week of months. And what would a week of months be? A week of months would what? Equal? I beg your pardon? <laughs> no, seven months. See, what's the Hebrew word for week? Seven. So when he says a week of months, it's seven months. Eh? Here we have seven days. Week of days equals seven days. 24-hour days. A week of weeks equals seven weeks, 49 days. A week of months is seven months. Now, why did God do this? All right, I can't put it on the board for diagram. But in this chapter, God gave Israel three feasts. And, and listen to the numbers. I mean, God is the great numberer. He did this, not Kevin Connor. He gave them the feast of Passover in the first month. Because number one is light, coming out of darkness. Number one is beginning. Passover is the beginning. He gave them the feast of Pentecost in the third month. Resurrection, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that raises you out of water baptism, judgment waters into resurrection life. Pentecost. The feast of tabernacles was in the seventh month. Now don't jump to conclusions on some of this, but Feast of Tabernacles in the seventh, it was the month of rest. So for six months, they had Passover first month, number three, Pentecost third month. That was a Feast of Weeks. This was beginning. This is Feast of Weeks. Tabernacles in the seventh month. So within a period of seven months, a week of months, God says, this is my sacred year. And in my sacred year, I want you to experience three feasts. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Now, the tragedy of church history is churches have been built around feasts and stopped there. So we have all our Passover churches who believe in the blood of the Lamb and stop there. Say, so thank God I'm Passover. Well, that's only the beginning. That's only the first month. And they never move on. Then we've got our Pentecostal, Heinz's Varieties and Charismatic. Charismatic people getting excited. Oh, hallelujah, I've got the baptism. You're only catching up to a feast that was restored years ago. Huh? And then we build our little denominations <laughs> around these feasts and stop there. Huh? And so people say, thank God I'm Charismatic, thank God I'm Pentecost. Well, that's only number three. God wants to have a people that will go on to this. I thank God for Passover, but I'm not a Passoverite. I thank God for Pentecost, but I'm not a Pentecostalite. I'm not a Charismatic. I thank God for that. I'm having a little taste of something here. How many are with me here? Yeah. Yeah. A feast, tabernacle, the seventh month, the most sacred month involving the trumpets and Day of Atonement and rest. All that's in that feast of the seventh month. See, all these sevens, this pattern, week of months. All right, number five. Number five. The next week, see, he reserveth unto us the appointed week. So God's just, the Hebrew mind's saturated with this thing. A week of days, a week of weeks of days, a week of months. 
Now, what comes after months? Years. Brilliant. Now, it's great when the Holy Spirit gives it to you. I mean, you're more likely to believe it then. A week of years and a week of years would equal what? Seven years. Okay, let me give you scripture for it. Let's turn over to, to um, Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus 25 and verses 1 to 7. Leviticus, Leviticus 25, 1 to 7. Let me take my watch so I keep myself on time here. Uh, the Lord spake to Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Now see, the people are to keep a Sabbath, the people are to keep a Sabbath, the nations to keep a Sabbath, but now the land is to keep the Sabbath. Think of the millennial kingdom, the land, the earth, that is under a curse. It's got to come into rest. Jesus Christ died not only to redeem us, he died to redeem this earth. Did you know that? When is the curse lifted from the land, the earth? Six years, verse 3 continuing, six years thou shalt sow thy field, Six years shall you prove your vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof, but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You won't sow, you won't prune your vineyard, that which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest, you'll not reap, don't gather grapes. It is a year of rest unto the land, and the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, your servant, maid, and etc., for thy cattle and beasts. So we have a week of years, six years, they to work the land. I worked six days in creation, six evening and mornings, then I rested. I want you to work six days and rest the seventh. I want you to work six weeks and then come to Pentecost and the seventh Sabbath. I want you to work six months, seventh month, very sacred month. I want you to work six years, the land, seventh year, very sacred. See, all these sevens, 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 God's plan of the ages. All right, number six now. We've got two more and then our time's just about up. Number six. The next week that we have that God gives to the Hebrew mind, see, he's reserved unto us the appointed weeks. The week of days, the week of weeks, the week of months, the week of years. The next week we have is the week of weeks of years. Now, what would a week of weeks of years be? You'll notice it's related to this. 49 years. So we have equals 7 by 7 equals 49 years. The 50th year was Jubilee. Notice. Week of weeks of days, 49 days, 50th day Pentecost. Week of weeks of years, 7 by 7, 49 years, 50th year. So that 50, 50. Is linked up. You think God's got something in mind. How many think God's got, he could have something in mind? <laughs> when he keeps saying the thing over and over again, he hopes we're going to get something out of it. Don't you think? God has to say it seven times before I get hold of a thing anyway. All right, Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25, verses 8 to 17. Leviticus 25, 8 to 17. And God, the way he writes this, he think we were a little bit of a numbskull because he sort of says it, you know, so clear, you, you know, you'd have to have a glass eye to miss it. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee. Seven times seven years. Well, you've already said seven Sabbaths, so that must be 49. Seven times seven years, oh, that's 49 again. And the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee 49 years. Three times he said in the same verse, the same thing. You must think we're bits of numbskulls, don't you think? He's trying to make sure we get the point. Huh? Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement and hallow the fiftieth year. And that's a subject in itself. Weeks of weeks of years. Okay, let's do number seven now. Number seven. And if you want the scripture for this, I want you to put down Genesis 1 right through to Revelation 21, 22, verse the last verse. <laughs> Just put the whole Bible. <laughs> Because if I haven't convinced you by now, nothing will. 
And this is the week of redemption. You can see this here, the week of redemption. Or the week of millenniums. And the week of redemption, what's the week? Equals 7,000 years. In which God works 6,000 years, the 7,000 years is rest. Now I'm going to give you some very interesting scriptures here. Let's, uh, let's take our pattern here. We started off with the week of creation. We ended up with the week of redemption. In between, we have the Hebrew mind saturated with the week of days, seven days, week of weeks of days, 49 days, seven weeks, week of months, seven months, week of years, seven years, week of weeks of years, 49 years, and now the week of redemption, 6,000 years, seventh day rest. Now, as I said to you, I'm giving you something I don't generally give. This is one of the reasons why I believe in a Christian millennium. I said a Christian millennium, not a Jewish millennium. And so what you have to do, if you become an amillennialist, and if you are, I'll love you just the same like I want you to love me. But if you do accept that, then you have to say, wipe off this. Wipe off the seventh day. Wipe off the seventh week. Wipe off the seventh month. Wipe off the seventh year. Wipe off the 49th year and wipe off the thousand-year millennial kingdom. So all you do is destroy God's pattern. Let's go to Hebrews 4, verse 9. Just a couple of scriptures and we better quit. Hebrews 4, verse 9. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 the whole chapter is to do with rest 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 and he goes through the various aspects of rest like in verse 3 let's flip back to verse 3 we which have believed do enter into rest as he said as I have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world for he spake on the seventh on a certain place of the seventh day on this wise and God did rest the seventh day he goes back to the rest of creation but the rest of creation was broken by sin now God is working another week the week of redemption and this week will never be destroyed by the entrance of sin again rest God did rest the seventh day from all his works and again and in this place again if they will enter into my rest Then in verse 8, he goes to the promised land. If Jesus, that is Joshua, had given them rest, Canaan rest, he wouldn't have spoken of it another day. So Canaan is not the true rest. Verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest. Who has the marginal reference on that? What does it say? There remaineth therefore a keeping of the Sabbath to the people of God rest Sabbath now I've tasted of the rest to come how many have tasted of the rest to come but there remaineth and that's why Hebrews Amplified puts it this way so then there is still awaiting a full and complete Sabbath rest reserved for the true people of God alright last scripture let's turn over to the book of Revelation now just a couple of closing thoughts here we have to finish on in uh, the plan of redemption, let's see what's happened. Turn to Revelation chapter 20, our last scripture. If this up here now were the week of redemption, just say we crossed out and put the week of redemption because we've laid out the pattern. When God does the things seven times, I think we ought to be convinced. Don't you? But from Adam to Jesus... We have four days. A day under the law is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. Four thousand years from Adam through to Jesus in which the lamb was hidden. We have since the first coming of Jesus 
two days. In other words, almost 2,000 years. We're living in the year 1980 plus some. Here we are in the last of the last days. Six days God has been working in the plan of redemption to bring about true rest, the thousand-year kingdom. Now see, if this was four days of a thousand years and the last days are thousand-year days, it's consistent that the seventh day be a thousand-year day. At least my God is consistent, isn't he? And so in Revelation chapter 20, the glorious verses, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Now that's why I can't with the wildest imagination say, well, the devil is bound now, he's not deceiving the nations when there's more deception going on in the world now than ever before, to say, well, he's not deceiving the nations. You've just got to do mental gymnastics to do that. Till the thousand years be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. Then we have those who are raised from the dead, and uh, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, second coming of Jesus Christ, first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. So first resurrection, second resurrection. Now, the thousand years is mentioned six times in this passage and note the things that are there and we'll quit on this. Satan is bound for a thousand years. The resurrected dead or the dead, the righteous dead are raised, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, the righteous raised. And then it says, they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Man lost his dominion back there, gains it here, reigns with Christ. And they are kings and priests. The order of Melchizedek for a thousand years. Now when Satan is bound, the author of sin, sickness, disease and death and the king of the kingdom of darkness and the demonic host, when he is bound and shut up in the bottomless pit, how many think that will be rest indeed? Amen. How many think you can have sin there and sinners there when the source of sin and the fountainhead of sin is bound? Let's stand. I think you've had enough for tonight. How many feel they got something tonight? How many of you ladies feel you got something? I expect to hear that next week. All right, let's stand. <laughs> Father, we just thank thee once again for the glory of thy blessed word. And Lord, that you do have a plan. And that you are over all the affairs of men, Lord, and though nations may rise and fall and crumble and shake their fist against you, your plan and your purpose will go on. We thank thee, Father, for the, your grace in our lives, that you, by your Holy Spirit and by the word, came to us and saved us and took us out of the kingdom of darkness and planted us into the kingdom of light. Yes. And we thank thee, Father, that we've come to you and we've found rest and we've tasted of the powers of the age to come. And you're making us and training us to be kings and priests unto our God. Lord, help us to work while it is day because the night cometh when no man can work. Help us to do your will and finish the work you've given us to do so that we may have a glorious entrance into that everlasting rest and kingdom rest in the fullest sense of the word. Seal thy word to our hearts and help us to meditate upon these things. We ask in the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. All right, shake hands with each other. God bless you. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.